Okay, so um, I just want to offer an, offer an opportunity if anyone had any questions just that came up, uh, just of the practice itself or just anything so far. Yeah, we can do more of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Any, um, anything that came up in particular that was kind of like questions about or anything that was particularly challenging about it or I like the image you gave of uh, one hand is the hand of awareness and the other hand is is our you know what they say in New York Michigas yeah, you know, our, yeah. our troubles are uh, what we beat ourselves up for failings uh, it's rarely that what comes up is our joy and our delight yeah um, but you know, the further you get on the path, the more likely that's to happen. But at the beginning, I, I liked your image of the two hands. Yeah. Shaking, you know? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I appreciated the um, opportunity to sit with it without having to fix or change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that with other people in my work a lot, but it was different to have that as an internal, like, being with. Yeah. Just for myself versus others. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's usually not a way when we can normally be with ourselves. It's harder to be with ourselves in that way. Right. Yeah. 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 Anything else you noticed around the practice? Uh, noticed coming up? Yeah. I just had a thought <clears throat> when you announced it as a handshaking practice that I might have to reach out and actually touch any other human being. That was scary. <laughs> 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 Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. What was it? Was it something comfortable, uncomfortable, neutral? Did anybody, uh, you know, manage to hit something like uh, quite wounded or, or uncomfortable? Yeah. Was anybody working with things like that? You don't have to say what it is, what it is, right? Yeah. I see a few heads nodding. Yeah. I think then the la- the last few times that I have done this practice, there's just numbness and numbness and numbness and numbness. And I mean, I know that is part of what we have to handshake, but been like that for a while. So yeah. That's also something to just sit with. Yeah. Yeah, you keep sitting with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing in this practice is it you know, and right now cuz we did it kind of more spontaneously, there might not have been something up for you. So you you can use this when something is up also, right? Mm-hmm. But then um whether it's numbness or anxiety or a feeling of sadness or overwhelm or whatever is coming up, right? Um then, yeah, over and over, you just go back and be with that in this kind of way. And so there's no, like, agenda of something needing to shift or change quickly. It's just sort of whatever's there is there. And so there's kind of like a long-term acceptance that starts to happen, but it's not an acceptance that's, like, defeated or, mm, what do you call it, 
surrendering in a negative way or surrendering in a like a yeah self-defeatism there's just the willingness to be with whatever is there and wants to come yeah and i'd add the word curiosity so in terms of numbness it can't always be the same numbness you know it's got to be held in a different part of your body today than yesterday and um you know there's just <coughs> investigating with curiosity so that awareness hand is awareness with neutral curiosity mm -hmm. and for us the word curiosity already has neutrality that awareness doesn't have quite as strongly yeah. so it's it's a helpful it's a helpful word and I think the overwhelm that Scott just mentioned is another one that um, you know, it might be that we start out in this uh, handshake practice, not overwhelmed, and then all of a sudden, whatever comes is is overwhelming. Well, time to step back several steps and just be curious. What was curious with awareness, not with systems analysis, mm -hmm. but just awareness of, well, it started out this way, and then what brought it to overwhelm? And then, oh, I've been to overwhelm before. <laughs> you know, and so then there's just, again, that just uh, acceptance of our temporariness uh, that that awareness hand can bring to the overwhelm. Yeah. One of the things that you said, too, is like that there's many layers. Yeah. Right? So if you have anger or sadness today, that sadness or anger is made up of many things. And so on another day in the same practice, it, that the color and, and feel of that could be very different. Exactly, yeah. There's some things that, you know, when we do this practice long enough, um, you also, like eventually we will hit emotional wounds that are like, kind of like um, stuck energies in the body. Mm -hmm. So the way we relate to in the Tibetan tradition is the, the part of the subtle body where um, the channels in the subtle body have some kind of blockages in them due to a physical or emotional trauma. And those can be very similar. Like, you, you, you know, for me, I have ones that are still there that I'm still handshaking that, you know, are, are not, you know, completely gone. And then, um, and then what, what you said is true, too. Then there'll be like a lot of ephemeral kind of like changing and you start to see, oh, these things are very, very impermanent. They're not as fixed as I thought they were, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there are some things we will probably touch and then continually come back to. But we'll start to notice that our um, relationship to them starts to change. So, for, for, so here, what starts to happen long term is a shift in relationship of how we are with our emotions, how we are with the feeling world, yeah? which creates that much more long-term resilience where we don't have to do anything with it. We don't have to fix or change it, merely just being with it. And then the resilience is that the resilience piece or the, the, the bouncing back from a difficult emotional challenge or wound in the emotional body um, is just more related to our response rather than a certain kind of result. Yeah? And it's not that things hurt less. I think it's just more like we're willing to be honest with what's there. And as a Buddhist practitioner, this has a huge plus. Has a huge plus. But I really want to be careful here. Don't, th you know, because we're so good at thinking about things, you know? A lot of you I see nodding heads and things like that. You know, don't take this the wrong way. 
And maybe you've already been doing this practice, and if that's the case, wonderful. But um, like, if you think you understand this, you probably don't. You have to do this a lot, yeah, as a feeling practice. We're so good at like, oh, I get it, you know. But it takes a long time to get it here. You understand what I mean, right? Yeah. So we'll do a little bit more of it, I think, before lunch. Um, so. Eventually, there's this, there's this quality, like I was alluding to, that can start to come out through this practice. So usually, Sogun Rinpoche will teach this in a whole day or two. <laughs> so I'm condensed into a few hours because I want to cover more today. Uh, so I'm just kind of introducing this practice. There's also, he has a wonderful course called Fully Being uh, online where he dives more into this practice. It's fullybeing.org is the website, and there's more on this practice if you want to dive deeper into it. Um, also, in my one-to-one -one work, with, with uh, mentees, I work a lot with them in this practice, guiding them through over a period of time and what's coming up for them. Um, but what did I want to say? Um, so what can come out eventually is this quality uh, Sogun Rinpoche calls essence love, which he kind of invented this term, which means sort of not that overt, joyful, you know, warm love, where it's, it's expressing itself outwardly or even inwardly towards ourselves. It's more the root of that love or the essence of that love which, or potential of that love, which is just the ability for okayness, for well-being. That's not conditioned by an outer phenomena, right? So part of the premise here is that we get away from this essence love, we get away from our inner well-being by relying too much on outer conditions to fulfill our inner well-being and inner happiness, right? So then the method here of just being with the experience both creates a space of allowing, creates a space and, and a way of being um, that's just open and being willing to feel. And so therefore, uh, difficult wounds in the emotional body, difficult uh, uh, things in the feeling world can heal and open up. But also it creates this effect where we start to come into an experience of okayness and well-being that's not conditioned. It's something innate, something close to, um, it's very close to the principle of Buddha nature, but it's a little bit more of a quality of that Buddha nature. So I, I'll go more into Buddha nature after lunch. Um, but this innate sense of essence love is something we can't trigger or bring in from the outside. It's something that we can't think our way into. It has to be felt into, yeah? So, um, so the resilience here uh, piece also comes a lot from coming into contact with that essence love over and over and over again, yeah? So maybe I want to do, um, do one more practice of this before we move on, yeah? Because if I don't, I'll keep talking and then we won't do it and it'll be lunch, yeah? Does that sound okay? Sometimes I find that uh, we kind of do it first and it's a little bit like walking on ice, you know, where we're not trying to slip. And so um, maybe this one we can just drop further, yeah? And it's okay, like, I always love uh, this quote from Trungpa Rinpoche where he said, uh, you know, the, the, the bad news is you're falling through the sky without a parachute. The good news is there's no ground, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you feel that sense of falling through the sky with this practice, which you can feel, especially when you hit something painful, right? Um, there's no ground, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, the body's telling us, worry, worry. You're on ice, you're about to break your hip, right? If you fall. But so we have to have the courage to say, okay, I hear you, but I'm just gonna continue to be here in this groundlessness, yeah? 
Okay? So we can just start just dropping right into it. So sometimes we can do a little bit of physical practice, just kind of uh, just letting go, just breathing out. As you do that, just dropping into the body. As we drop into the body, we probably just come into contact first with just the physical body, the feeling world. So if we really drop the thinking mind into the body, we just wait within that feeling world. Often the thinking mind will come saying, what are you going to do now? What's next? What do I do? Don't do anything. Just drop into the body. And as we sit with the body, as we sit with the feeling world, just bringing our awareness to it. Whatever we manage to hit is okay. Whatever is coming up for us right now, we just bring our attention and awareness to that. Or if nothing strong is coming up again, we just remain with this quality of allowing awareness, openness, especially feeling, fully feeling. And we may start to notice as we do this with the space of allowing, small energies start to present themselves. Just encourage you to drop further. Dropping here meaning Dropping the thinking mind further, dropping an agenda further. There's no specific experience we have to find or touch. Whatever wants to come can come. If nothing wants to come, that's okay too. So as we manage to be with something with our awareness, fully feeling it, really, besides waiting with it, feeling it, the only other tools we're applying are to not suppress it. avoid or push it away in any way. 
We're also not indulging in it. Indulging meaning when an experience just hijacks us, we start to identify with that experience. And we're not running away from the experience. This is where it takes a little bit of guts or courage to drop into that groundlessness. Drop into maybe an experience we've never had before, one we forgot. An experience of the unknown. Sally used the word curiosity. But this curiosity just drops us deeper into feeling, not analyzing or thinking. And if we've managed to hit something painful or vulnerable, even if we don't know what it is, I want to emphasize that too. We don't have to label it. We don't have to know what it is. Often energies just come up we don't have a label for or can't figure out. And here we definitely want to drop that mind that is trying to figure it out. That's definitely an agenda most of the time. And so we apply this fourth principle of no agenda, not trying to control or manipulate the experience. This is a hard one as when a painful or unpleasant experience comes, usually our habit is to resist it, try to talk or think our way out of it, or distract ourselves with something. These are all ways of manipulating the experience. These are all ways of having an agenda of, I don't want to feel this, I want to get out of this as quickly as possible. So the antidote to this is just dropping again and again into the experience, touching the emotional wound or energy with awareness, and just waiting. The word compassion is used in a lot of ways these days. Usually it's misused. We often confuse compassion for love. But here in Buddhism, as many of you know, there are two distinct principles. They have different qualities. Compassion is usually a lot more challenging 
it's challenging because it asks of us to not feel good. It asks of us to look at the nature of suffering in ourselves and others, to bear witness to it. And so here in connection with the body, this is our preliminary, this is our starting place. If we can't bear witness and be with our own suffering in our feeling world, it's very difficult to grow the kind of compassion needed to develop the mind of awakening our bodhicitta. Again, I want to emphasize, bodhicitta is not just a thought. It has to be brought into an experience, fully felt within the, within the body, beyond just an analytical thinking process. Of course, we can use the thinking mind to help us, to benefit us. But there's much more of an, an intuitive approach to developing it that often gets left out. as we're very good at culturally mistaking a cognitive understanding and certainty for the experience itself. So this is why I wanted to start today with this handshaking practice. I'm sure some of you find this to be the case as well, but when I'm able to be with my vulnerability, when I'm able to be humbled within that, it's much easier to connect in with the suffering of others, much easier to have compassion for them. It's almost just a natural response coming from the body. I don't have to use my thinking mind as much. So that's why I really encourage you right now not trying to bum you out, but just drop in. We come together in Sangha not just to feel good and have a good time. That's, that's fine. That's important too. But we also come together to share in our vulnerabilities. Not to throw up on each other. We're not doing therapy for each other. But just a space where our full humanity can be recognized, <coughs> experienced, in a space of contemplation, friendship and connection. Bodhicitta is actually a very, it's not that complicated to explain, very challenging to experience, very difficult. As it takes our heart breaking open, but not breaking down. A bodhisattva's heart is 
broken most of the time. But that bodhisattva doesn't break down. They keep going. So how do we create that kind of resilience? How do we come into that? This is the starting place. we may have noticed at this point as we just rest with awareness on whatever arose for us we don't have to move it or manipulate it or shift it in a certain way we just let it come and go express itself in whatever way it needs we may have noticed it has its own story and process Things that may have been shy before without feeling enough confidence or comfort to come out in our bodies can start to come out. They start to see, wow, she's really allowing here. Maybe it's safe. Maybe she'll actually listen to me this time. She'll actually hear what I have to say. whatever expresses itself however it wants to we just continue to be with it in this allowing space fully feeling it for some of you this may be very challenging right now and that's okay this is the practice for some of you not much may be arising at the moment which is also okay And further, some of you may be experiencing, if you're really able to drop in and let go, but fully feel, things do shift and open. Maybe the tension we've been holding in the body, white knuckling through a difficult emotion or experience, begins to release. We start to find calmness in the body. Perhaps just a subtle sense of okayness is coming out. Normally we identify so strongly 
with our emotional content. We identify so strongly with the energies in our body and moods. But here we start to see that these are just things moving through us. They're happening to us. So we're not rejecting the experience of them. So from a perspective, they are real, they're happening, but then they're not, they're not true. They're not true to who we are or what our identity is. But that doesn't make them any less real or worthy of us giving them space and time and listening to them, listening in the sense of just being willing to be with them, right? Listening not in the sense of believing the content. Because wounds have all kinds of content that's not based in truth. So there's a sense of identity becoming loosened. And there's ease and a quality of okayness within that, where we start to come into contact with our innate Buddha nature, which is not conditioned, which is not a thing, it's not an identity. When Buddhism says, at the root of our being is our Buddha nature, it's not saying then that's who you are, or that's a thing, or that's your soul, it just means at the root of who we are, we're completely open and free, not fixed. No identity. But everything can arise. Lots of experiences can come. We can act in the world in different ways. So usually what gets in between ourselves and our growing our compassion and love and bodhicitta is a sense of clinging to a fixed identity. Sense of I-ness, me-ness. That believes that what's happening is true. And truth here, something in order for it to be true from a Buddhist perspective, has to be permanent, independent, and singular, something that's unchanging, not dependent on other factors or conditions, completely individual and autonomous, and something singular that's on its own. So we can just see through this practice what we come into contact with and touch is not permanent. It's not independent. It's dependent on many factors, including just our mood this morning, maybe how much coffee we drank. So identity is something much more fluid than we normally relate to it. There's so much freedom there. But this freedom has to be felt in the body. 
combined with emptiness, which is beyond body and mind. So when you're ready, feel free to open your eyes and we'll come out of the practice. Feel free to just take a gentle stretch in your seat. to go that time. <laughs> Deeper? That's a little bit easier? Yes. Yeah? To do the practice? Yeah? Well, calm came out just about the time you said it might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so that calmness from this practice is, um, I mean, we're not seeking it through this practice, but it's kind of a very different kind of calmness because it comes out of just not doing, like not manipulating. We're not doing anything. We're just there. And then everything can drop, you know? Maybe some of you started to notice that, that so much of our tension comes from, like, trying to grip something or, ha or f grok it or figure it out or move it in some way, you know? We just let it be. It's just there, you know? I might stop for lunch, but uh, now, but uh, about 12.15, um and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll get into um, relative and ultimate bodhicitta <laughs> from a Buddhist perspective, yeah? But you all understand why, why it's really necessary to start here, yeah? And some of you may, you may be okay. Like, you know, there are people who have healthy attachment patterns within America. They're very rare, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, met, I met maybe like two in my life, but also... <laughs> You know, but uh, but they're out there, so there may be some in this room. <laughs> so it's just acknowledging that, yeah. But I don't know about you. This is this is pretty um, a revelation for me because you know I was never taught how to be to to be with emotions. I was never taught how to, you know. Now emotional intelligence can be a strange term because it seems like oh well then we need to use the thinking intelligence to understand emotions, and that's true. That helps too. But this is a completely different mechanism because the wisdom and intelligence in this practice comes from the feeling world itself. So over time of sitting with something, a wisdom starts to come out of a wound, right? As the wound heals, as it sort of resolves itself. So that, you know, our teacher Sognimshya often calls these uh, beautiful monsters when you hit an emotional wound in the body. And the reason is because they, they appear like a monster at first, you know, so, so scary something we want to run from, something we want to suppress, right? But then as we relate to it in this way, just being with it without applying an agenda or trying to change or shift it, there's a beauty that starts to open up, yeah? And part of that beauty is the wisdom underneath, the, underneath these, right? So it's almost like, you know, I talk about them in the third person, you know, but they very much feel like that when you start to relate with them in this practice because they very just feel, they very much feel like, okay, this is something passing through me, it's something happening to me, right? But at the same time, we're not dissociating from them. So there's a subtle line there. And it's almost like that not indulging, it's a tough one because we're not suppressing, we're feeling it, but we're not indulging either. 
So it's a very fine line between being with it and fully riding the experience and then indulging in it. Indulging is when we get taken over by it and where there's no awareness. That's when indulging happens. It's just if there was any questions around that. But um, it almost feels like we're in, it, we, especially when something very painful comes, when, we, when we're with it and we're just bearing witness in this kind of way, it almost feels like we're about to be taken over by it. That's how, how much we go with it. So we drop completely into it. But there's always the awareness there, right? Then, if we're able to do that, really things will start to shift. But it's very hard to do that, I'm just being honest, yeah. It takes, takes a while just to be used to just dropping in that way. And we may find like, oh, for five minutes, wow, I was with that, and we cry or something happens, right? But then it's difficult to do that, repeat that the next day. So this is the practice, right? We're just training in it. 